Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. One second, please. There we go. Um, hope you guys are doing well. Um, just got the kiddos off to soccer practice, or actually soccer game. Um, April 22nd, 23rd, right? Is it 23rd? Yeah, because yesterday was... Yesterday was birthday, I think. A little audio check. Just want to make sure everybody can hear me. And we'll do a fresh start for the podcast. Um, hello, everyone, and welcome to Revolution Gathering. Um, Whew. I can't believe we're almost through April. It's weird, um, but there we are. So the other night, uh, this I got to see the Slayford mods. Is that how they say Slayford mods? I always say Slayford, 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 Slayford mods. Uh, play one of my favorite new bands. Um, I mean, at least somewhat new to me. About a year new to me. But I got to see him play uh, downtown Seattle. And um, it was awesome. Um, There's just two guys, and uh, it's like a post-punk hip-hop. I don't know. It's I don't even know how to explain them. But it was like it felt like seeing like something fresh and new. You know, it felt like seeing like something like punk rock again. You know, it felt like seeing like. It was so minimalist in its ways, um, but it was really, really, really awesome. So as you can see, I'm back in front of the the, the, the photo the, the the photo wall because I've moving things around. I'm I'm looking at uh, a place closer to my kids, an apartment closer to my kids that I hopefully will be able to uh, to get into. And there's some paper towels if anybody needs one. Um, uh, closer to their school, and so. Just trying to get everything together, and so my books are not in the right place right now. So I figured I'd move move over to the other wing of the house. Um, so yeah, welcome to Revolution. Uh, what I, uh, you know, the world's gone mad, and I was glad I got to see that show and 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 go out and get out of the house and see other folks and see that people exist. That was a good vibe. Um, Twitter is crazy, as usual. Um, everybody lost their check marks and all that kind of stuff. It's really been really kind of funny to watch how we can political, politicize, politicalize, politically, political, politicize, politicize anything. You know, all of a sudden the blue check mark now is like, like, if you have one, you're, like, owned by, like, the, the liberals are mad at you. And if you have, uh, <laughs> if 
you don't have one. I mean, I'm like, how do we politicize? How do we put politics into a literary check mark? I think I should do a blue one and a red one, so we should be even more divided. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, it's really silly. <clears throat> but it's made for some really good jokes, so <clears throat> that's always, always a plus. Oh, uh, uh, thank you, Zoe. Rest in peace, blue check mark. Blue Bill, as I used to call him. Blue, Blue Bill. <laughs> um, it's fine now because I, I think I, I've gotten off the radar. I don't have as many critics as I used to, so I don't have all the fake Jay Baker accounts. There was one that was even called Jay Faker, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, so that's the good thing is when you're not as out there, you don't get as mocked by because some of them were kind of mean. Um, anyhow. So, we're going to get a little serious here today, um, but we'll go around, as always, try to bring a little humor into everything. Um, but I do want to say, one of the things about seeing the Sleaford Mobs or the Sledford Mobs, i, I got to get the name right if I'm going to be one of my favorite bands, right? Um, <laughs> thank you, Zoe. I would appreciate it. Um... the minimalist type of working and doing something that's so creative that it was almost like seeing this concert was like the people, like it was just like everybody was just enjoying the show. You know what I mean? It was kind of enjoying the show together. And it felt a little bit more like a community. And I think that's why it kind of felt kind of punk rock because everybody was kind of dancing and moving around and, you know, because there wasn't all this stuff going on the stage. So you're kind of like looking around, seeing other people. You know, you're not just like, entertain me. You know, you're kind of like, oh, this is cool. And this is happening. And it's like something's happening in this room that we're all kind of a part of. And uh, I thought that was just really great. But it also inspired me to be like, you know, you might not be everybody's cup of tea. But, you know, but only you can do what you're, you're going to do. And, and who knows what's going to take off or what's not going to take off. You know, I mean, these guys, I think, have like five or six albums. Um, you know, if you love your work and you love what you do, you just keep doing it, you know? And um, and these guys played at Coachella twice already. Um, so, I don't know, it kind of inspired me to just be like, you know, it, it inspired me just to keep going, you know, and keep doing what we're doing. And uh, And I guess it was one of those things like where you see something and it like affirms you being who you are, being true to who you are, being yourself. And I love that. You know, that's what I always loved about punk rock is it's like, you know, and my mom, you know, gotta be me. And it encourages us to like not compare ourselves to other people and be open to new ideas and new things and new thoughts. So I thought that was pretty incredible. Um, all right, let's get into this. Um, so... So I was thinking through the week, you know, I was trying to figure out what, what we're going to talk about next. I like to have plans, but I just haven't had time to really plan out a, a series yet. But I have been studying Galatians again with, the, with some really great books on Galatians because I really love that book. And I think next year I'll be just... Um, 
But I wanted to talk about like, you know, a lot of people talk about the church and their experience with the church. And a lot of us have been hurt by the church and been put through, feel like we've been put through the ringer. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I'm going to talk about something that I've probably mentioned in passing before, but I don't think I've ever really focused on it, is really my first personal experience with Christianity um, and what that looked like. Now, I grew up in the church. You know, if you know my parents, you know, I grew up in like a gigantic church, uh, one of the biggest Christian places in the world. Um, but my dad was the boss, you know, my mom, it was like, you know, they were, it was like having Mickey and Minnie as your parents, you know, and living at Disneyland. Um, so when my parents went through everything and lost their stuff, you know, we kind of started to live, you know, all of a sudden I was going to go to schools that weren't run by my parents, you know what I mean? Where the people who, 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 who teach at the schools and preach, you know, um, teach at the schools weren't employees. Um, and so for me, really, when I really kind of like, I think I'm about 12 years old and my dad's on trial in Charlotte, North Carolina. And... I am, uh, we're living in Florida, Orlando, Florida. So, and I'm going to a school uh, called First Academy, First Academy Orlando. And it's a Christian school. And I'm sure my folks knew somebody or something who said, oh yeah, you know, put Jamie in, <laughs> put Jamie here, we'll keep an eye out for him or, you know, whatever. Um, my parents kept me in Christian schools for, I think I did two. I did one in, in California right before we moved and then this one in Orlando. And I did a third one too. Um, the third one, the second, the second one was in North Carolina and that was kind of a blur to me. But I had a really nice time at this first, first school in, in Palm Desert. Um, it was probably the first time I felt normal. But I don't feel like this was my, that was my first experience with Christianity, even though it was still a, a Christian school. It was just kind of a, being a normal kid and my parents making me lunches for the first time and riding my bike around the neighborhood and not having bodyguards and things like that. And that was like kind of this like really like, oh, this is what it's like to be a normal family. And it was lovely. Unfortunately, it didn't last very long. And so we went out to Orlando, Florida and lived there and I was going to this first academy school and it was a Baptist Christian school and um, and so while I see this as my first experience with Christianity I'll try to explain and, and try to make sense of this and I hope I can make all this all add up and line up well together and, and that's what I'm going to try to do um, you know there was a youth camp that I went to that was also the first Baptist Orlando, Camp Orlando, I think they called it. And I had some really cool, interesting experiences at these camps as well. But this was the school and I was went to the, did the church thing and was part of the youth group and all this stuff. Um, but at the school, my mom, I was with my mom and then my mom, my dad had a nervous breakdown during the trial. And so my mom went back to North Carolina to be with my dad. And so I was staying with some friends of the family while I, so I could be at school because I'd missed so much school at this point already. And I was really far behind and, you know, we were trying to, we were told that we were going to do the metric system again. Remember that? 
And so we're all trying to learn that. So I couldn't leave. We're trying to learn the metric system. Um, but I kept getting in trouble at this school. Um, the first thing that happened was I was hanging out with some older kids. And I was at McDonald's with my friends and I smoked a cigarette at McDonald's. This is when you could still smoke in McDonald's. They had the little McDonald's ashtrays. And, you know, I'm smoking cigarette, being cool with my friends who are in high school. And that, I was like probably in seventh grade at this time, to be honest with you. And um, one of the kids from First Academy saw me there and told a teacher. And so one day I'm in class and, Mr. Baker, uh, the principal needs to see you. You know, oh, okay. And back then, you know, with my dad in trial and he'd had this nervous breakdown, I thought, oh, what's next, you know? You know, I'm like 11, 12 years old, you know, and I'm just like, oh, what's next? And so I get up and go over to the, to the uh, principal's office and the principal sits me down and goes, listen, one of the students has come to us with some concerns about you. And I was like, oh, okay. They saw you smoking a cigarette at McDonald's. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And they said, you know, you really represent the academy, the first academy when you're out there. And that's not first academy material. That's not the first academy spirit that we like to carry. And uh, I was like, okay. So they're like, we're going to suspend you for seven school days. Now, I've never been suspended in my life. We're going to suspend you for seven school days. Um, which I thought was a little wild. So I was like, oh. Really? You know, this never happened. And so I was, had seven days off, which I thought was great. Uh, parents weren't too excited about it. Um, but my parents were going through such hell at this time, you know, all over the press and going through this trial, that that didn't really seem to, like, bother them that much because they were just kind of like, we're just trying to survive. You know, we just want our kid in school, and now we've left, and now he's not in school because he smoked a cigarette. You know what? There's bigger fish to fry. We'll talk to him about not smoking. Um, so I go back to school uh, and you had to wear a pocket on your shirt and you had to have your shirt tucked in. And so one day I show up to school and I forgot that I didn't have a pocket. And so they call the guardian for me and have her come get me and say he needs a pocket on his shirt. And she goes, well, you should have just told me that I would have brought in a shirt with a pocket on it. So then I had to drive home and just, I didn't go back the rest of the day, whatever. That was fine. Um, and then I met this girl, her name was Tammy Shankel. Oh, and I thought she was the best. And I was like, I wanted her to be my girlfriend. Everybody knew I liked her and everybody was like, oh, Tammy Baker too, you know, making all these funny jokes. And, um, and we kissed outside in the parking lot once. Um, <laughs> I know you guys are loving this, this down memory lane. But then I found out later that the school called her parents in and had a meeting with her and said, hey, we're worried about this, your daughter hanging out with Jay Baker. We don't think this is a good thing and this shouldn't be happening. So all of a sudden it was forbidden love. And of course we fell even more madly crazy for each other because we weren't supposed to be together. Um... 
so I'm staying with my family friend and we used to go to the, there was this really massive um, flea market um, in, or, in Florida, in Orlando. Well, it was outside of Orlando, but I think it was something, I think it was called like Orlando Flea or something. And uh, I used to go there with my mom all the time. But the friends I was staying with, the, the, their daughter who was like in her 30s was named Helen. And Helen took me there and Helen had like blonde and black hair. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And she got her hair done at the flea market, which was kind of odd. And I was with her and she's like, oh, you should get a blonde streak. Cause I had the, the Tony Hawk type hair. And I was like, oh yeah, blonde streak in my hair. That would be awesome. So they literally put like a, the tin foil in there. And I thought, oh, it was like getting a tattoo. Cause you know, you're 12 years old get this blonde streak, so excited about it, like thinking I'm so cool with just this little blonde streak in my hair. And, I, and the reason I thought about this is because somebody saw a picture of me back in the prison. They're like, oh, I love that little highlight in your hair. I was like, oh, it's funny. I got in trouble for that. And this is why I'm telling you all this stuff. Um, so I, I, go, I go back to school and they go, Mr. Baker, <laughs> you can't come back to school until your hair is dyed back to its natural color. And so I took a few days off from school, but then my mom came back in town realizing there was so much trouble. So she left North Carolina, came back to Orlando, got me back home and, she, and, and I was like, mom, I, I really like this. I don't want to dye my hair back, you know? And so my mom gave me this temporary dye. So every morning I was temporarily dyeing this brown streak, I mean, this blonde streak brown in my hair. And what's funny is that PE, I would sweat and the temporary dye that my mom gave me would just, it would just be brown goo running down my face and everybody would talk about it. And then at school, at night, I'd go to the youth group and I'd have a blonde streak. So I ended up like finding a loophole. Um, but what the message I was getting, and this is the important part, and I think this is what we don't understand when we do things like put Christian on the term as a way to sell something. Christian school, Christian group, Christian church, Christian band, Christian this, Christian that, whatever. In a child's mind, in a young person's mind, you go, well, this is, must be a representation of Jesus, of Christianity. And for me, that was a personal experience because, you know, I wasn't with my parents all the time. I was going through this kind of the first time as like away from my parents doing this thing. But what I kept running into, and these were just small things. There was a lot of other big things like kept going on at this, this, this church in the school, you know. Um, it, it, it is that I, I read into it, this is that must be how Christ is, is this kind of idea that, that um, rules and standards are more important than you or your pain, you know, kids or not, you know, parents legacy or not, higher standards is what we value. Conform or you go away. And they gave me this thing of saying like, you need to straighten, they met with me at the school, they brought my mom in, they had the school and said, you need to stop with the hair stuff, you gotta stop messing around with the, the dress code, you know, we expect you to do this, this, and this, and this. And you wanted me to sign this paper and said, and, and, and we will not let you back in school till you agree and sign this paper. Um, 
And I said, well, I have to think about it. You know, I was really stubborn. And my mom was like, okay, all right. <laughs> well, we'll take the paper with us and we'll be back, <laughs> you know. And, and, um, and this was the cool thing about my mom is I, at night I talked to my mom and I said, mom, I, I can't live in a place like that. You know, we've got so much going on and every move I make, everything I do, I get in trouble for, you know. And I was in so much pain and my pain was never validated. You know, the pain of my parents' life kind of falling apart in front of me was never validated. It just seemed like what was more important were the rules. And that kind of sent me on, obviously, the path I'm on now and probably why we're a lot of us are sitting, you know, here right now is I talked to my mom that night and she goes, well, honey, if you don't want to go back, we can do homeschool until the end of the year and figure it out. She says, we'll just figure it out. She goes, I know some people who do a homeschool thing. And of course that was a disaster. And then the next year I was supposed to go into eighth grade, but a friend of mine's mom said, listen, just sign him up for ninth grade. All of his friends are in high school. And we did, I went to high school and they didn't find out until six months into high school that I wasn't in the grade I was supposed to be in. And they let me stay um, <laughs> after a long parent teacher meeting. But it was completely different. In the public school, I felt accepted. I was one of hundreds of kids and it was it was a different situation there wasn't this standard and one of my friends goes why one of my friends from the first Orlando school said why isn't Jay here and and the principal said well he wasn't first academy material and I just remember thinking that even though I was going to these youth groups and still like visiting the church every now and then and going to the camps like I just wasn't good enough for the school and in my mind I felt like there was this level of faith and level of belief that said you are accepted. And I think a lot of us experience that type of thing in, in communities like this. And a lot of, why a lot of us are leaving communities, why a lot of us are, are deconstructing, uh, why a lot of us have just said, you know, I'm going to listen to, I'm going to, I'm going to watch a live YouTube video, or I'm going to listen to a podcast and that's going to be my church. Um, You know, so all I wanted was someone to tell me, it's okay, you're accepted. This is why when I was like 21 and, and really understood grace for the first time, I was mind boggled because I thought this was Christianity. This was God. This was Jesus. It was all about having the packet, the pocket on your shirt, the pants tucked in, not smoking the cigarettes, not having hair that looked crazy, you know. Um, not being, not crying in the middle of class. I got in trouble for that once. Um, and I was just, I was really screaming out just to be like, well, someone just love me for who I am. And maybe I was pushing and testing them. Uh, the McDonald's smoking wasn't on purpose. I didn't think I would get busted for that. But maybe the blonde shirt, I don't know, unconsciously, I was trying to see if they would love me the way I was. Um... And, and so, I, I don't know how, these two ver how this verse exactly lines up with this, but I, I think it kind of makes a place here. And, and I want to look at it. It's, it's something that I've, I've heard other people talk about, and I, you may be familiar with it. It's in Matthew 16. Um, where did it go? Uh, 
um, today when my where I was studying because the kids were here and I was trying to study to finish all this up, they found my googly eyes. And so I have googly eyes on everything. There's googly eyes on the back of the phone, googly eyes here, even googly eyes on my McDonald's cup. Um, <laughs> that's what happens when you have a five and seven year old. But it was um, Matthew, if you fell along with me, Matthew 16. And I will start at 18. Let's go there. All right, let's go to 17, actually. And Jesus answered, uh, where did it go? And Jesus answered to him, Blessed you are, Simon, son of Jonah, for the flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, are Pete, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And I love that he builds his church on the guy who denies him three times. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So death will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven. And whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Now, the reason I talk about this is about binding and loosing. What he was saying to Peter is like when you teach things, you know, and your community agrees on things, there'll be certain things that are bound and certain rules and regulations can be bound here and bound on earth and bound in heaven. And kind of this idea of like, you know, this is a new thing. You're going to have to try things out and sometimes they're going to work and sometimes they're going to not. And you're going to have to bind and loose things. You're going to have to... Maybe make a rule, and if that rule doesn't work, you're going to have to change and think about it differently and, you know, try this way of leadership, and if that way doesn't work, then you have to do this, you know. I mean, binding and loosing really came in handy when, you know, the Apostle Paul walks in and goes like, hey, I used to kill Christians, but I had this vision of Jesus, and now I want to reach Gentiles. You know, they had to make them, that was binding and loosing right there. When he went and met with them, they had to be like, so this guy was persecuting us and now he wants to reach gentiles which we haven't really talked about that and you know is this the guy we really want to represent us globally you know and they 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 you know they bind him and say yeah let's do it and uh, something new happens and and what i'm saying is is is, is sorry my i gotta charge my phone what, what i'm saying here is this is that actually it's plugged in is what I'm saying here is this is that in the church there are times to maybe go hey let's make some exceptions to this let's not have these sacred cows that keep us from caring about others you know this idea of binding what's happened is religion has become so legalistic and so much like like literally legal law that the church treats it, that we forget how to treat other people, that we don't have a live and let live kind of thing. But if you look at binding and loosing, you would look at things like, well, does the church support um, slavery? Well, of course it doesn't support slavery. Um, but there was a time where it didn't fight against it either. Like biblically, in those times, they weren't going like, well, we've got to overthrow the government and get rid of slavery and things like, you know, Peter and Paul and and those guys, you know, James and all them weren't like, we're going to get rid of slaves. They were saying, hey, you know, you guys got to treat each other like brothers and sisters and be human to one another, but they weren't going against it. Um, there was a time where church, where marriage was about property. All, all these things over time changed. 
I would even argue now that like uh, the church had held a tradition of, 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 of uh, you know, of having issues against LGBTQ people. And we've said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. Well, a lot of us have, not everybody. But some of us have, and some of us are saying we're not going to live this way anymore. You know, we're, we're going to celebrate our gay brothers and sisters. Binding and loosing, there's things that this happened. And now, now, why is this important? It's because the world changes, life evolves, things happen. And I feel like within Christ's words here, you know, the thing he said to them at the, at the Last Supper was, I want you guys to love each other. Really love each other because the world will know that you belong to me for your love for one another. And then there's also the verse that says, love covers a multitude of sins. And then there's another verse that says, love never gives up. You've heard me say it almost every time I've ever spoke, never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful. First Corinthians 13, maybe my favorite verse just from the, how many times I've said it. Never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. There's other verses that say, you know, be careful of biting, hurting one another. You might be devoured by one another. And so this concept of constantly making allowances for others in order to love them and care for them, you know, blessed are those who mourn for they will be, you know, uh, comforted. You know, these are the things we're called to do. When I was in prison, you came and saw me. You know, when I was, you know, the story of the, of, uh, the Good Samaritan, you know, taking care of someone who had been seen of his enemy. You know, these are the stories. And when we've lost touch so much in a community based on these things that we can't shape, we can't move, we can't, we can't wiggle. And so why do we call revolution a community? It's because I can't live in a rigid thing where it's called the church and either I've got to be the liberal church or I've got to be the progressive church and then I've got to do this and then I've got to be in everybody's business. I don't want that anymore. What I want to do is I want to love people radically. What I want to do is if people are hurting each other, I want to say, how do we stop hurting each other? If someone's hurting themselves, I want to say, how do, we, how do you stop hurting yourself? How can I help? And we've lost people along the way. Like I've, I've seen, I've had close friends who I've loved and cared about who've lost their lives because of drugs and addiction and things like that. But one of the things I can say with my life and in my community that we were able to love folks even to that point when they decided they, that wasn't the way they were going, we never were like, well, we're done. You know, so that story with my mom was, is I was done. I didn't go back to the school because I knew there wasn't the support I needed, the grace I needed. But I also thought like I was kind of abandoning God, you know, going to the public school. <laughs> and, um, and I would kind of wrestle with that all a lot until I was about 20 years old of this kind of concept of like, I believe that there might be a God. I believe there's a God, but I don't know if I can ever live up to those standards. You know, I, I mean, I could barely tuck my shirt in, much less not listen to this type of music or not do this or not do that or, you know, not because I thought it was all about authority, following authority and, and conforming to this way. And of course, then I thought, oh, I must be conforming to the world. Um, but <laughs> what does that mean when you think about it? You know, what does that truly mean? Um, I think we see, you know, we see a lot of, we see a lot of, big contradictions and life is full of contradictions but we see people who are like oh, I'm pro-life and you know blah 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 but oh don't take my gun away and I'm you know all these people are being killed and children are being killed and people are showing up at, and people are like oh I love my guns it's the second amendment you know and it's like religion doesn't seem to be a trump card for that you know like go on a fight of war and so you start to go like well 
this is like some sort of weird society tradition that allows these contradictions. Like you can be pro-life, but also think that the death penalty is a good thing or that guns and things like this are, are, are great. You know, um, it, it doesn't add up, folks. You know, and I'm not against people having, if people have contradictions, that happens all the time. We've got to work through them. We've got to have conversations about them. But it, it, it doesn't add up. So we create these rules that don't even make sense. And we negotiate with the Bible what rules we want and what things we don't. And for some reason, we always seem to, in the past, we've always seemed to go with the ones that are, that are more controlling and they're more judgmental and um, ones that are more separate, ones that separate us, continuously separate us. Um, one of the things, you know, like reading the story of uh, the lost sheep where, you know, the, the the shepherd leaves the 99 to find the one, you know, or the woman searches the house to find the lost coin, you know, uh, or the prodigal son, you know, there wasn't, there was no room for me to be a prodigal son even in, in that school and even in those churches. Now, here's the interesting thing is the, probably the person who had the most profound effect on me at the First Orlando, the Orlando, First Orlando Baptist, or First, Orlando, First Baptist Orlando, uh, was a guy named Jeff Evans. And Jeff always really cared for me and would listen to me. And I could just see, like, even though I wasn't really understood what grace was, he just gave me tons and tons of grace. And a few years later, I went back to this church to find Jeff. And Jeff had gone to Liberty University, uh, Jerry Fowles College. And I remember right as he was leaving, I said, please don't go to that college. You know, he went anyway, but I didn't want him to go because I really loved him. I didn't want him to go working with Jerry Falwell. <laughs> and he went. And I never saw him again. And I went back and asked where he was and said, oh, nobody knew. I mean, it was as though he just vanished, just disappeared. Now, I guess his family was still there, but they didn't tell me that. And I guess people were trying to keep me from letting me know what happened. But he left school because he was gay. Now, I had no idea. And he's out, so it's okay. He's a friend of mine now. But I didn't see him until probably 20-some-odd years later when I was with some friends at a gay club in New York. And I'm sitting in this, in this gay club with my friends. And this guy comes up and goes, I don't know if you remember me, but back in, you know, uh, Orlando, I knew you. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, I worked at First Baptist, but, and my name's Jeff. And it went, Phew. it hit me. And I went, Jeff, Jeff. And I got up and I grabbed him and I hugged him and said, I've been looking everywhere for you. I'm like, you influenced me so much. You know, you, 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 you you taught me what it was like to be a real Christian. You know, and he's like, well, I don't have anything to do with that stuff anymore. You know, burnt out, got kicked out of college, doing my own thing. He's married to a lovely man now. But it was like this, this, this moment. And I said, well, you know, here I am. I said, I'm a gay affirming pastor, blah, blah, blah. And I'm doing this thing and this and this. And we talked about it and it was great. And we stayed friends for years. And we still say hello to each other on, online and stuff. But it was like this reconciling moment that in the church world wasn't allowed with all the rules and the regulations of who you're supposed to love and how you're supposed to love and all these rigid things were not acceptable. And what I'm trying to say is that there's another way. And that's the way I, I'm trying to live and that's the way I want to encourage you all to live is not to get caught up in the politics, not to get caught up in the 
you know, if you look at the things with the blue checks and things, it's, it's funny, but it's in a way it's very churchy. You know, it's very like, oh, who's in and who's out and what's important and what's not important and everybody's fighting and who can belong and who can't belong. Like I keep, I love that guy, Dan McLaren. Is that his last name? The, the who, who does all the uh, scholarship, biblical scholarship. And it's so wild to watch people like, oh, the things they say, they get so angry and so mad and like, they can't let him win, even though he's like got all this information. And, and the great thing is like, if you ask Dan, like, well, where did you hear this? Or like, how do you know this? He'll say, here's the books. And he'll send you a PDF or something like, oh, you want the PDF of the book? I'll send it to you, you know? And, and that's some of the Galatian books I ordered. I was like, hey, do you have any books? And luckily I'd read some that he recommended, but he goes, oh, here's some other ones. And so I went and checked those, I, I bought them and, and, and are looking forward, to them, looking forward to finishing them for next year. But we're so rigid. And I just don't feel like Christianity is a faith of being rigid. You know, I think when we look at, that's why I love the book of Galatians, is that Paul's trying to bring these two groups that are kind of rigid and, and legalistic in their own belief systems together as a community and to think differently and, um, and to live another way. And, you know, you often think about like if the claims of, well, God created the world in seven days, not literally, I don't think, but, you know, if God is God, if Jesus is Jesus in these spiritual ways and that we're, oh, this is the religion, then that gift is life and should we not live it? And we, should we not be able to empathize with kids when they're going through a rough time? You know, for me, having kids, it makes you realize, like, it's when it comes to kids, that's when kids are getting hurt, kids are getting messed with, that's when it's time to make a decision and time to change your mind and time to start thinking differently, you know. And when now we have a political religion that puts, you know, that children aren't as important as an amendment, to me is insane. And some of you might go, oh, Jay, you're going a little political today. Oh, maybe I am. But the problem is not just politics as in this country, but politics within religion and all these rigid ways of seeing things and not seeing that when other people are suffering, we don't move to that. And Christianity, if you really want to follow the idea, it's not about you going to heaven. It's not about an afterlife. It is literally about us loving other people and learning how to work with other people and speak to other people and communicate. It's about forgiveness and restoration. As Tillich said, you know, Sin separates. Uh, grace unites or reunites or, or re you know, brings us back together. And what I would say is, back to the biblical idea of love, love covers. So here are these great concepts of things that we're called to do, but we don't see a lot. And the funny thing is, is that the separation, you know, is what keeps us, keeps us torn apart. I was thinking about this and, and what we, what would bring, what, we bring what would we what do we bring to Christianity? Not what Christianity brings to us, but what do we bring to Christianity? And I kept thinking, humanity. You know, being human is not something to hate. We're all human. No matter what color your skin you are, no matter what your sexuality is, we all have breathing air and guts in common. You know, we're not objects. We're not animals. We, you know, we do have that in common with animals, but we're, we, have, we have minds. We think, therefore we are. Um, what do you have in common? Thinking, 
faults, doubts, hopes, despair, love. I mean, these are things that we all come together. I remember when my first, uh, when my buddy who came out to me for the first time uh, was one of the first people to come out to me as a kid, um, as a teenager, and he had this guy they really liked and it didn't work out and he was so sad. And, you know, I knew that like, I'd been taught like homosexuality is bad <laughs> and it's wrong and, you know, they're not like us. And then I'm going like seeing my buddy go through this and watching him cry and listen to The Cure and I'm going like, that's just like us, that's me. We're, we're not different. He cares the same way I care. You know, he loves the same way I love. And it was this radical revelation to me at like 13, 14 years old of going like, we're just people. We're all humans going through this together. You know, and so we need these things. Um, so we have that thing that binds us. And then we have things that separate us. And we have the humanity that brings us in common, but... You know, I was thinking about comedies and comedians. And comedians are usually funny and the funniest when they remind us of our humanity. You know, when they remind us of these things that a lot of the things that we, we sit and, you know, and they'll make fun of Christians. You know, you know, like I went out and saw the Book of Mormon. Like I thought, oh, well, I can go watch Mormons be made fun of. <laughs> and then I realized it was making fun of Christianity as well. And I went, but it was good because it was like, God. I remember that, you know, like coming home and thinking Jesus had returned and nobody was there or having nightmares about hell. And, and it was like, and what the comedy did, it reminded me of my humanity and my shared humanity with others. So comedy awfully does that. And that's why I like comedy and, and jokes and like to put a little, try to make people laugh when I'm delivering these things as well. Um, it's not just a defense mechanism. Um, so so why, why we often like comedy is because it, it hits some sort of truth in us. It's not everybody's thinking and it exposes us all and we're all kind of there exposed together and it, <laughs> you know, and we're laughing. Um, sometimes it offends and hurts, but even times when it offends, I think it's time to go like, okay, well, what's happening deeper within me? What Because sometimes it's offending something that's unconsciously in us. And it might be like at first it's like, oh, this, uh, you can't make fun of Christians like this. But then down to you go like, well, maybe there's an issue there for me as well. Now, I've said hurtful comedy. I'm, I'm Jim and Tammy's son, so don't worry, folks. There's been comedy that's hurt me. Um, we spend all this time, if you think about it, looking for things that separate us. You know, like when I, when I went to the punk rock flea market and, you know, and they read that shirt about Johnny Rotten that was not very nice, you know. It was like, politics, that separates us. This separates us. I'm punk and you're this. Or I'm conservative and you're Republican or... I'm American and you're European or, you know, I'm white and you're black. I'm Christian and you're Muslim. You know, I'm th th what separates us. And if we look at what we talked about just this earlier this year about Paul Tillich, you know, and Tillich kept saying like sin is the separator. It's what continues to separate us. And so we're always looking for ways to separate each other. Well, I'm gay and you know, I'm straight and I'm, you know, my, we just... All these things to say, like, this is me, and this is what separates me from you and you from me. And, and it's going like, okay, but there's eventually has to come a time where we see each other's common humanity. I mean, the one thing Jesus constantly did was, like, when that woman was, you know, the story of the woman caught in the midst of adultery or the, 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 the woman at the well, 
Jesus wasn't going and saying, I'm going to expose you or I'm going to show you what the differences are. What he did was he humanized them. I mean, the woman at the well, he goes, go back, goes back and tells everybody, I think the Messiah is here. You know, that's the first, you know, apostle (laughs) is this woman at the well, you could argue. You know, um, go tell it on the mountain, you know, and, and, and brings those people back. And they all, oh, and they all make up their own mind what they think about Jesus, one way or the other. But, but that's the thing is that this humanizing of people, you know, even when Mary, Mary, Martha are there, Martha, oh, why am I doing all the work? And she, well, she understands what's important. You know, there's kind of this humanizing of just it's we're human, we're not all the same. And she sees this, and you see this, and this is just kind of we see things sometimes differently, but we're. This is a human experience, and this is going to happen a lot with humans. And I feel like I'm crying out to this audience to be like, please, crying out to the wilderness, really. You guys are here. Um, But like going like, let's be less petty with one another. Let's be less separatists. We don't like separate. We always say, hey, we want people to be, um, you know, um, more tolerant. We want tolerance. We need tolerance. We need tolerance. We need tolerance. 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 Until you don't think the way I, until you're intolerant, then I'm intolerant of you, and then intolerance rules, and then separation is there, and then we have sin. Sometimes if we want to be the tolerant one, we have to be the example to the in, intolerant, and just be like, hey, I'm going to be your buddy, but you know what, you're going to, you know, I remember in high school, there were skinheads and there were Nazi skinheads in my high school. And I went to a lot of punk shows and did things with these folks. And so those guys would be there. And I would sit down and I would talk to them. And be like, listen, I don't understand. Like, why this issue, like, why you don't like people based on their race? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it just does, it just seems stupid. And I was lucky enough to be in a place where I could talk to these folks in a way that did not get me beat up. Because a lot of these guys just fought. But usually they would just fight the the sharps, the regular skinheads who weren't prejudiced. And so it was just two groups that, oh, we go to shows and we fight. But I was able to have these conversations. Now, I don't know if they had any effect. Um, I don't know what happened to a lot of those folks. But I was able to have these conversations. I do remember a teacher calling me once and being like, oh, are you hanging out with these uh, Nazis? I'm like, no, they're in the punk rock community. They're not, you know, I'm not one of them. And I said, you know, I tell them this is how I feel and that doesn't make sense to me. Um, but sometimes we're, we have to be the one who says, this has got to change. This has got to be different. And what I'm hoping is, is that the people, that we, the folks who are listening to this and and thinking these ways and and thinking deeply and and having these conversations, that we will be the example that I'm not going to go in and be like, I'm going to go into the church because we have a yearly meeting, which we don't. And tell the world, we've got to be nicer to each other. You know, it's not, it doesn't work that way anymore. I can't just go hang something up on a wall. Taken care of. And that wasn't really that taken care of. But the point is, is that we have to live in such a way. So for me, like, I'm going to claim Christianity because I'm going to like, yeah, I might not believe all the things that you think like I have to believe, but this is for me, this is Christianity. I love these people. I care about these people. We're going to have these conversations. And you know what? I might love and have conversations with your enemies as well. But we have this humanity in common 
that I feel like we're able to, to, to work things out and wrestle things out and argue and argue well with each other. Um, but rather than looking for the common ground that brings us all together and that reunites us in grace, humanity is we, 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 we fight. I mean, I mean, humanity, think of all the things we have in common as humans also. That's another thing I wrote down and wrote. We smell. If we go and we don't have our deodorant on, we all smell the same. We all have, well, it's body order. Or if someone farts or takes a big poop in the bathroom, oh, oh you know, there's no going like, oh, that must have been, a, was that a Muslim poop? You know, um, oh, that person must have been non-binary in that bathroom. And no, it's just everybody's shit stinks and we're all full of it a lot of the times. You know, do you hear me? Um, and, I, I, and I hate to have to just come down to that kind of, ooh, it's kind of icky, but it's just the facts that we have to start. Like, I might be like, I've got a funny captain's hat on and cool glasses and cool jewelry, and that makes me, you know, look at that, tattoos. That makes me a certain type of person, but and ultimately I'm just a human being. You know, who probably had, like, thank goodness we don't have smell-o-vision right now because I didn't take a shower today. Um, I was too busy trying to get my kids fed and to soccer. Um, can we learn to disagree and live and let live? That's always a word that I felt like people were afraid of in the church. Well, you can't do the live and let live thing. But I think we're going to have to. We're going to have to realize that some people just don't want anything to do with Christianity, and that's okay. Um... But I think we can still focus on like, well, we shouldn't make their lives hell or we shouldn't make it a law so they have to believe what I believe or think what I think because that's just being, a, you know, a, a, a kind of a monster. Um, but what about being drawn by love and not rules? You know, how many people are like, oh, I saw Christian and they were doing all these... They have this, all this stuff you can't do. I really like that. I think that's where I want to go there. You know, and they have a certain way that you have to vote. Oh, I think that's fantastic. I, I think I'll join that group, you know. And eventually they put their politicians above their gods, and I really like that as well, you know. Or, oh, I really like that church over there because anything goes. <laughs> and they also put their politicians above God and their politics above God and because you know, they like to be right on and... You know, and they also and bring in other religions. Like, oh, I really like, I'm going to go there because they also really don't like those other guys who, who do that. Other thing with the rules, all the, all the rules. They're like, no rules except don't like those guys. You know, it's like, neither one of those appeal to me. You know, and you start on like, well, what's left? Something different. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, I want to be a heretic's heretic. If I'm going to be a heretic, I'm going to go all the way. But the fact is, if Jesus is true, if Paul meant what he said in Galatians, if Tillich meant what he taught with all his years of studying of philosophy and theology, if Dr. King was right, then we must do all we can to find common ground rather than always trying to be special and separate. Unique and different. You know, it's like we're all like bananas with or oranges or something with different things on the outside. And then we open it up and it's just an orange inside. And we will find a way to be truly special and unique because we love 
a love that reconciles. Do you hear me that? Like, if we really want to learn to be special and unique, let's be special and unique because we love, we have a love that reconciles. And how awesome would it be to, to have a, to have a, you know, to not be special for that? How interesting would it be to be like, well, we all love and reconcile. I don't think that's not going to happen in my lifetime and probably not my children's lifetime. And from what the scientist says, I don't know how much more we have after that. But point being is, what if that was, we were really known for our love for one another? What if we were really known for our love for others and helping people mourn and go through this? Now, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I posted it a couple days ago. Um, there was this, uh, there was this show where they swap partners and, um, I think this show, it was, they were, it was like a Christian, really conservative Christian family and a gay family maybe. And they switched partners and anyhow, the, you know, they were very country redneck people. And this woman was like, darkness, darkness to the gay people like fighting. Oh, there's an evil in here get out of here. I mean, most like crazy, like people made fun of it. You know, I mean, I can remember after the, this wife, the, 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 the trading places show, like people would go around being like darkness, darkness, like making fun of this woman. Um, but I guess a few years later, this woman's daughter passed away. And what happened was, is the group of gay folks, LGBTQ folks stepped in and mourned with her and encouraged her and helped her and loved her when she was going through this incredible loss of her child, which has to be probably the greatest loss you can go through in my mind. Um, they loved her and cared about her through all this. And now this woman is an ally. And there's a picture of her sitting with all of her, these gay men. And what drew her in, what caused her to become an ally was love, was mourning, was caring, you know? And that's the strength, that's Jesus. That's the Christianity I would understand if I have to say, well, what's, which, who was being more Christ-like in these places? And they didn't hold it against her that she said darkness and evil and all these really horrible things, you know, that wasn't held against her. What was shown to her was love and grace and compassion. And what happened was is she repented <laughs> from her, from her religious ways and from being judgmental and cursing these folks. And she's had a change of heart because she felt love and she felt grace and she recognized it as something that was bigger than what she had been taught her whole life. And it was love. It was a forced cape. I don't know what her belief system is at this point in my life, uh, or I mean, at this point in her life. But the point is, is that that's the way. You know. That's the way we, it, it should be, and it, maybe it should be also the way that, like, you know, it doesn't call you to be an ally to a community, but also call like, could you imagine if that's what the church did? Like that one church that recently bought off all these people's debts, and. Um, from, from this debt company, you know, they combined for pennies on the dollar and then just burned the paper and forgave their debts. You know, to me, that is, that's, that's kind of the way, you know, especially when we live in a world where being sick can cause us to be homeless. You know, when we live in a country where we have to deal with that every day, you know, 
um, or we have to fear our kids might get into the wrong car. I mean, it's, it's a scary world we live in. Um, and I think the division thing isn't working. I mean, I think, you know, I'm thinking about leaving Twitter because I was like, there's just so much division. You know, someone's like, oh, you need to stay, you're a balanced voice and all this. So I'm, I'm thinking about it. But to be honest with you, all that division and that separation, um, and, 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 you know, I don't know if like really those many characters is any way to solve, we can really solve anything or bring a community together through small bits of words. And usually when I post a, a message, no one cares or a talk or a, even an interview with somebody else, nobody really watches it or listens. And so I'm thinking like, mm, is this kind of pearl to swine kind of a type of thing of like just a, of a community that's gone the way of just arguing all the time? I don't know yet. I haven't figured it out, but I'm thinking about it. I'm open to suggestions. Um, so that's today's talk. It's, it's not an answer, but it's a hope that... Uh, I like I left Peter because I was becoming mean. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the things I think is is like if you really wanted to, if you really want to see how bad you can be, get an anonymous Twitter handle. Um, I did one as a joke once uh, against these conservative guys who always attacked me, and I shut it down within two days because I was like I had no idea how awfully mean spirited I could be until I was not until I could hide my face. You know, um, it's a whole different thing when you, the, 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 a different type of humanity that comes from within you when you're hiding behind something. Um, so it's cliche to say a third way, but I think this is the, there's got to, there's the third way. You know, it's another way. This is another, uh, you know, Paul says, if it's another kind of Christianity and it's not real Christianity, but I feel like we've been so stuck in a Christianity that's just based off of bad biblical understanding and even maybe some good biblical understanding with some bad Bible verses, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm reading a book right now on the book of Revelation, and it's like realizing how much crazy theology has come from that book because I always kind of avoid the book of Revelation. Uh, it's not a book I've ever been a big, huge fan of, but then I'm, now I'm looking going like, oh, my God, how much, like, people justify Jesus being an ass not by Jesus' life, but by what this guy thought about Jesus, what John the Revelator thought about Jesus. And so now that's why Jesus can carry a gun and be covered in blood is because of this crazy book here. And, you know, we can kind of like, oh, let's get rid of his life because obviously this guy's vision got canonized, so it must be topper, and it's at the last book, so it must top all that love your neighbor, love your enemy crap. You know, Jesus walking 500 miles in a river of blood or whatever. You know, it's just not, you know... So sometimes it's like, it's not just bad theology. Sometimes it's just people not like interacting. Like uh, the uh, Martin Luther, the reformist, said about the, he, when he did his German, you know, German Bible pressing, his, that first Bible pressing, he put the, <laughs> he put revelations in the appendix <laughs> in the back. And just told people, like, listen, you can read this book. I don't have an opinion on it. You can have your own opinion, but it's not anything I want to deal with. And I think, you know, we've got things like that. And we've got things like the pastoral epistles that are, like, exactly the opposite of what Paul said. So we have our own contradictions to deal with and the problems to solve and conversations to have. But isn't it great that we can go along like, hey, we're all screwed up. 
Nothing's perfect. There's, we all have contradictions. Even this holy book of mine is contra has all these weird contradictions, you know. Um, so yeah, I hope we can do things differently. Let's try. All right. Thanks, everybody. Hey, listen, I have to do this because I have to make a living. If I'm going to move, I have to get paid, all this kind of stuff, and take care of my kids. So if you like what this is doing, what this community is bringing to you, you can go to revolutionchurch.com. And the donations is right on top. We put it on top so everybody can find it. <laughs> um, and you can make a donation. You can even make a monthly donation. Um, and if you want to do that, that really helps. It helps me be able to make a living doing this work and read crazy books all the time and, and, and do what I, what, I, what I love, but it's also a struggle to do. But I will continue the struggle as long as I can. And I've been doing this for almost... 30 years, so I don't think I'm going anywhere. So if longevity and consistency is what you're looking for, I might not always have a building, but we always have, a, I always gonna have this voice, I'm gonna have this place here, and this, this, this group, uh, this gathering, if you will. Um, and it's still tax deductible, because uh, we still have the 501c3 and all that stuff. So you can donate to revolutionchurch.com. Uh, go to Revolution and do that. You can also watch this there, and you can hear the, you know, if you're on, no matter what, like social, oh, not social media, whatever, um, like Spotify or Apple or music or things like that, we have all the different links there to listen to these things. Because another thing that really helps is by sharing these things, like sharing them on Instagram and your stories. A lot of you have been doing that, and I'm really grateful for that. Or retweeting them on Twitter, which there's one person, and she's wonderful, and she's lovely, and she's very encouraging, and she continues to retweet these talks and even puts stuff, writes even great descriptions of these talks. And you can too. <laughs> um, and that really helps what we're doing as well. If you say, ah, oh, you know, I'm a little strapped right now. I get it. The world's, every, everything's expensive, right? But yeah, so that would be great to help if you can. And, um, but also one of the things you can really help is that we all decide to live this way and be humans and find that humanity in common and not let all these little barriers that we continue to put up um, separate us from our humanness to one another. Because um, that's never going to be easy. So what I'm just saying is like, can we just, you know, scratch a rock off that mountain, you know, one at a time. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week, and I will see you uh, next Sunday or on the uh, social media universe. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.